Hello, and thank you for listening to Our Savior's Lutheran Church Sermons. I'm Pastor Joshua Kirtenbach from Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. Today we are celebrating the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. Our Gospel reading for today comes from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 7th chapter. When the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A number of scribes and some Pharisees came to eat with Jesus. They were possibly there to investigate him, to see what he was teaching and how he and his disciples were living. When they gathered to eat, they immediately noticed that the disciples did not wash their hands. They were taken aback and asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? In response, our Lord answered, saying, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. This may seem at first an overreaction from Jesus until we get more of the context which our Lord knows, which St. Mark alludes to in his Gospel. The Gospel tells us that the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And what's wrong with that, you may ask? We wash our hands before eating, and when we come in from shopping or doing errands, is that wrong? No. What we're missing is that the Pharisees and the majority of the Jewish population did not do so because it was hygienic. They didn't do it just because it was a good practice that someone had started, but they did it because they taught that it was a command from God. They attributed this and other practices to the Lord God himself. The tradition of the elders which is mentioned is not merely a tradition that was passed down because it was good, rather it was a body of doctrine which claimed that the Lord which they claimed the Lord had revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai, and which then passed to Joshua, who passed it down through the ages. Listen to the prayer which they prayed, and is still prayed by Jews today that follow the pattern of the Pharisees. 
Blessed be thou, O Lord, King of the universe, who have sanctified us by thy laws and commanded us to wash the hands. You can search the whole of the Old Testament and never find a command to wash hands before eating. The Pharisees and scribes had received and passed on that tradition, claiming it was from God himself. All other traditions they held, which were devised by men at first in order to safeguard the law, eventually had the same force as the law, and they were considered equal to it, and were said not to come from men, but from God. There was even the case of a man, a certain Eleazar ben Enoch, who questioned whether the washing of hands was from God or not, and whether it belonged in the tradition of the elders. He was put under a ban. He wasn't allowed to enter the temple, and when he died, they stoned his coffin. Here we see the major problem with this ceremonial washing of hands, and with the tradition of the elders, as well as with all false doctrine. It puts words into the mouth of God. It claims that he has spoken where he is not. It attributes things falsely to him. False doctrine results in an honoring God with the lips while having a heart far away from him. It outwardly seems to be honoring God, but it doesn't, because it's not from him, and so it doesn't honor him. It tarnishes his name and reputation by attributing something falsely to him. Would you feel honored if someone did something in your name, but you didn't ask them to? Or if they attributed what they were saying to you, knowing you said no such thing? This is what false doctrine does. This is why pure teaching is important. And when we look at the visible church, we see this problem in, in many places. It exists in the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox traditions, the idea of the so-called sacred tradition, which each claims has been handed down to them from the apostles, which Jesus had told them to pass on, but not write down. They put words into the mouth of Christ Jesus our Lord, which he never said, and thus they can claim that it has equal authority to that of the scriptures. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that sacred tradition and sacred scripture are bound closely together and communicate with one another, for both of them, flowing out from the same divine wellspring, come together in some fashion to form one thing and move towards the same goal. Their tradition is put on par with scriptures. It is said to come from the same divine source, God himself. This problem also exists in the popular television preachers, many of whom claim that God speaks to them. They might say something like this, When I was preparing my sermon, I just knew I had to change the direction because God wants me to tell you. And thus, they attribute their entire sermon to God himself. The charismatic churches have so-called prophets who regularly give what they call words from God, which again, they claim, comes from God himself, even though their so-called words from God contradict the scriptures, which we know are God-breathed. And we must watch ourselves lest we follow these teachers who teach falsely, who attribute to God things he did not say. We must likewise ensure that we do not fall into the same trap. We must be careful not to attribute our traditions to God. We must watch ourselves lest we attribute things to the Lord that he did not say or do or command. If we do, we fall into the same trap as the Pharisees. But what God has actually said is so much better than anything else. His law is sharp and clear all on its own, far better than anything we could add or augment. We can't add to it, for God's law is already perfect. God's will is perfect. We can apply it in different situations, but we can't increase it or diminish it. 
God's law works to accuse us when we have done wrong, and to point us towards the right path that is in accordance with his will. The gospel, too, is clear and radiant, and far more glorious than anything we could add or replace it with. It is splendid, shining with grace and truth. The gospel, which both the Old and New Testaments clearly proclaim, is the promise of salvation to mankind by the work of God. That the Son of God became incarnate, taking on flesh from the Virgin Mary, that he was born a man with a restored nature, because his virgin birth and his humanity and divinity united in one person. The same one, Jesus Christ, died for us as an offering for sin, dying in the place of sinners, so that all who have faith in him, that is, all who trust in him, are justified for his sake and made right with God. The promises of God and the gospel of eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth are greater than anything we could add, and are worthy of being held firmly and without the admixture of error. So too, the gifts which he gives, the means by which he delivers these promises to us, are far greater than any counterfeit ones that may be held up by false teachings. The scriptures convey the very things that they promise, for God himself has promised to send his Holy Spirit to accompany his word, to create faith by it. The washing of holy baptism, wherein we are regenerated, in which the forgiveness of sins is grasped by faith, and thus the inheritance of everlasting life is bestowed. The word of absolution, which faith clings to and believes, which assures us of the forgiveness of sins by Christ and in his name. The sacrament of the altar, where Christ gives us Christians his body and blood to eat and drink, that when we receive him with faith, we are forgiven and united with him. These all are greater than anything we can add. These gifts our Lord clearly gives us, and this doctrine is clearly taught by him and his apostles. But our gospel lesson today also warns us of another danger of false doctrine. It often pits scripture against scripture. Our Lord said to the Pharisees, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. This again has to do with false doctrines, which are in the tradition of the elders, which Jesus here downgrades by calling it your tradition. They had a way of reading the scriptures in such a way to pit them against one another, so that using their jurisprudence to pick one part over the other. The arguments of the Pharisees in this case our Lord was referencing went like this. In Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, the Lord says, If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. If someone were angry with his parents and were to say, Whatever you would have gained from me is korban, then whatever material possession that the parents would have been owed because they were to be cared for by their child were instead to be set apart for a different service. Whether or not that material actually went to the temple was not necessary. It only needed to be set apart from its intended purpose. Well now, if someone said that, they're in a bind. They are under the law compelled to care for their parents yet they're also required to fulfill their oath of not providing for their parents. 
The Pharisees said, The oath is more important. Therefore, a man, even if he regrets this vow, must not help his parents as long as they live. Our Lord has a great problem with this. In doing this, and in many similar cases that can be found in their tradition, they reject the command of God to establish their tradition. They make void the word of God by it. They like some, but not other scriptures. They use their tradition in order to undercut some scripture while promoting other parts. Usually this is involved with those that are easier to outwardly keep. We can see this all around us too. The scriptures are clear. God is a God of order, a God of holiness. Yet these things are often ignored or downplayed in order to have a worship service that conforms with worldly ideals rather than scriptural ones. The scriptures are clear that the pastoral office is limited only to certain men. Yet using a modern tradition and pitting scripture against scripture, some defy this and place women into the office, ignoring or dismissing the word which forbids it. And how many times have we not followed the scriptural mandate to have nothing to do with false teachers, but instead tolerating them, listening to them, buying their books, watching their programs, thinking that we are being charitable to them, or ignoring or downplaying the sixth commandment in any number of ways, especially when it comes to friends and family, whether it's accepting of same-sex relationships as godly, or overlooking and ignoring cohabitation, or ignoring the sinfulness of divorce for reasons other than our Lord allows, and maybe even the most common, neglecting the word in the gathering of the saints, finding ways to justify ourselves for this. Ah, but what is this if not following after the Pharisees? What is this other than making void the word of God? What is it other than rejecting the command of God and the word of God? The Pharisees were expert in this, codifying it into law. Our sinful nature follows after them closely in this, trying to find ways to forget, ignore, or explain away difficult passages and those that cut to our hearts. God save us from this false piety. God save us from disdain for his word. May he always grant us repentance and a steadfast faith that we may not follow after the manner of the Pharisees, but after the manner of his dear and beloved Son. For our Lord Jesus Christ could not abide by any tradition or doctrine which would undermine the scriptures. For true doctrine does not despise or denigrate the scriptures, but upholds them. For it is in the scriptures where we find salvation, where we find the promise of the forgiveness of our sins. It is no use to try to justify or downplay our sin and ignore the scripture in doing so, when the scriptures themselves show us the one who died for our sins. The law must be upheld in its firmness, for in it we see how we cannot live up to it. When we ignore it, or downplay it, or cast it aside, we show disdain for the word of God, and instead say that we would rather be comfortable with ourselves and our sin. But when we acknowledge our sin, which is revealed by the law, and turn to Christ our Lord in repentant faith, the sweetness of the gospel is displayed. We see how he freely forgives our sin, how he has done all for our salvation, so that we do not need to try to justify ourselves, but rather, despairing of ourselves, we may rest wholly in him. He is the salvation of Israel which comes from Zion, so let us rejoice and be glad. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today for 
this sermon from Our Savior Lutheran Church. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.